I think it's really just finding your, you know, your ideal customer and, and realizing that they may not have a hundred thousand followers, but when they post something on LinkedIn, they've got a community of other entrepreneurs or business owners that are really listening and honed in and, and appreciate the tips and advice. Welcome to the Leaders of B2B podcast, a weekly show where we bring you interviews and in the weeds expertise with today's B2B experts and thought leaders. You can see more about today's episode and guest by visiting our website at leadersofb2b.com. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. We help B2B companies launch revenue-generating podcasts. We schedule interviews between you and your ideal prospects and strategic partners. You show up for engaging conversations. We handle everything else. Ready to build a podcast that grows your business in just one hour per week? Reach out to us at contentallies.com. Hey, leaders, welcome back. This is Ledge again, and my guest today is Vinod Varma. He's the co-founder and CEO of Creator.co. Vinod, welcome. I look forward to hearing some of your insights and stories here, but you tell, tell your story a little bit. What do you guys do? Uh, you know, uh, why'd you start it? And, you know, just kind of get us kicked off there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Creator.co, we founded it about three years ago. Um, originally called Shop and Shout, so Creator was a more recent purchase in terms of domain, which has uh, ended up being a great decision um, as we kind of uh, uh, we built a platform that really kind of embraces the creator economy and empowers it for both brands and creators. Um, originally started as an idea from uh, from a need that experienced in a former life. I was a buyer for a billion dollar company, and we used a lot of influencer marketing. And at its heart, uh, we were just trading uh, a lot of products for very tailored social exposure. And there was a lot of uh, back and forth and, and corporate bureaucracy, I guess, if you will, that uh, is necessary for a lot of big brands, of course. And you got to respect the process. But for, you know, 80 percent of brands out there um, that are kind of in that small to medium niche, they don't need a lot of that. And they're just looking for a simple, efficient way to uh, get their brands out there, put their products in the hands of, of creators and influencers and let those individuals use their talents and networks to tell the story of those brands. I know enough about, you know, sort of influencer marketing to to know that a creator marketing or creator influencer like is this, is this the same thing or uh, is there is there a difference there or? it's uh it's more or less the same thing i think what we found is kind of influencers started becoming this catch-all phrase and started you know started kind of developing a little bit of like negative connotation around the word and, and what these individuals do um, so we've really embraced the term creator which coincidentally our community really, really likes and prefers. We did a big survey to our community of 80,000 and the results were overwhelming. Um, you know, over 87% of them prefer to be called creators over influencers. Okay. So there came to be a little bit of the fakeness or, you know, whatever. I think the, uh, the inauthenticity, the inauthenticity, I think the, uh, you know, I think influencers kind of became, synonymous with you know scantily clad individuals doing weird things on the street for attention and uh and so you know not that any of us have heard heard or read about any of these people but we won't throw them under the bus here today so i get it (laughs) absolutely no and that makes sense you know you want to open up the creativity you know i mean like and there's there's really just a lot of people who are are not that you know that that maybe um even have like a tiny niche audience but it's the right audience exactly. and if, if i read correctly i mean that's the idea right is if i have a, a brand that wants to reach or a product that wants to reach you know this 
maybe it's only a thousand people, but yeah. it's the right thousand. Right. And uh, how do you, how have you created like, I don't, I'm not going to say a data model, but how do you connect that? Like I, I would clearly as a brand need to know my, you know, the clean definition of those, those people that I want to reach and creators might use different words or, I mean, you know, naming an audience like that is, is a challenging sort of taxonomy problem. It is. Yeah, it is. And it's a challenge for sure in the industry. We've got some technology that when someone registers or a creator registers on our site, we're able to take a deep dive into their social and we understand a ton of uh, demographics on their audience. We understand languages, interests, um, ethnicities, all kinds of stuff. Um, and we give that information back to the brand so that they can make a more informed decision. Uh, okay. Okay. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And so just anybody that's interested in being a creator, what's it take to, you know, kind of rise up and be useful? Uh, you know, clearly I can't have started my YouTube, you know, yesterday. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, wh- what does it look like? Well, I, I was almost going to ask you the same question. I mean, you've, you know, you've done, you've been doing this podcast, you've got a great following, you've got a great audience and you've really, you know, found your niche. I think it's, you know, I think it speaks to being authentic, uh, authentic. I think it speaks to having a passion for what you talk about. And then people interested in similar topics or the same topic, see that passion, relate to it, uh, and then want to hear what you have to say. And I think that's what being a real influencer, a real creator is about is kind of following your passion and, and having a, a penchant for giving your audience valuable information and insights. And sometimes, you know, that's around fashion and sometimes that's around health and wellness and sometimes that's around business. It's, it's definitely not around fashion. In <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think I've been wearing this shirt all week. Yeah, me, don't t- tell anybody, me so. too. Me too. It's good. It's a good thing. We're only uh, chest up here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't publish the, the outtakes. No, I mean, I, I, I think I, I get that. I certainly would never have fancied myself a creator. Uh, what I what I thought about was that, you know, yeah, there are, there are ideas that need to be shared from what we do on a daily basis that are helpful, you know, so we, we try to, uh, help founders, you know, make more money and, and in any way possible. And you learn things from clients, you put them out there, you have more conversations. I realized, and and maybe this is useful for, for people who are thinking about this is I simply wasn't going to do any of the work except talk. So, I needed somebody to take recordings and turn them into useful pieces of content. And, uh, you know, and I pay people <laughs> to do it, you know, that, yeah. that if it's up to me, it wouldn't happen at all. So, yeah. so, you know, I think it takes a constellation of, of folks to do that. I know my kids are at home, you know, they want to be Mr. Beast when they grow up and I'm like, what the hell is Mr. Beast? <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> but you know, we've, we've been able to have constructive conversations about business and say, look, you know, let me tell you what comes in behind this guy making his, his crazy videos with, you know, whatever it is that he's doing. And, uh, so if you talk about the creator economy, I think that's the work, you know, that, um, I'm, I don't feel that I belong in the audience there you know, or in the, the cohort, but I can say that if you're on stage, there's almost all the work is happening because somebody else is, is doing it. And the struggle to monetize content has always been there. So let's pivot into the brand side or the, the business side. You are predicated on the idea that almost all of the, the influence now comes from what would be then I guess what appears to be an authentic discussion or review of a of a product. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a few things. I think it can for I think influencer cre- you know creators 
really there's a few kind of areas that they focus on and, and it's around education, it's around entertainment. And um, I think it's a combination of both that really attracts the audience. You have to be, you know, you can't just be monotone and, and talk. You, you'll kind of lose the audiences um, as I'm sure you've, you, you know, you may have seen in, in other shows or podcasts and I'm sure people have experienced as they go through their trials and tribulations of, of doing shows and podcasts and stuff. But I think it's really, uh, really that blend of being entertainment, delivering value. And I think if you can focus on the value side of it and you can throw in splashes of humor and things people didn't know, um, then that's what really kind of brings, brings the strategy together and really creates um, what I believe to be authentic influence. It's that connection to the audience, that ability to create relations and uh and uh, and really just inform and, and offer service to your to your community in the sense of you know I'm not saying offer free services but in the sense that you're really there to serve the community and i think if you take that approach um over the long run you'll have a lot of success as a creator yeah sure sure and brands want that platform then uh want to at least be known and exposed to the creator then uh, how do you maintain the authentic authenticity when it's, you know, it's a free product or, or they're maybe even getting paid to promote a thing that, which immediately sort of goes, well, that's, you know, potentially inauthentic, not that we all shouldn't get paid to, to do that. But I mean, how do you, yeah. how do you thread that, that needle? That's a, that's a great question. I think, I think it's a bit of both. So one thing really cool about creator.co is we focus a lot, a lot of our brand partners focus on gifted campaigns. And what we found is because we've got such a large community, um, when these brands deploy campaigns and they're in our campaign hub and these, you know, 80,000, almost a hundred thousand creators see campaigns, knowing that they're gifted, they're only really applying if they feel that that brand or product delivers value to their audience. So they're really in it to experience that product, share that with their audience. Now where it gets, you know, where it can kind of get a little messy is, you know, if you're a fairly large creator or well-known um, and you've, you know, you've paid your dues to build that audience and that engagement, uh, you know, you've built it for a reason. You've built it for monetization purposes. So in that aspect, I think it's a bit of both. I think the the creator or influencer needs to be, bought in and actually want to do it and the brand has to uh, be fair in terms of you know what they're willing to compensate and i think when that happens that it's that it's some really good synergy so we're big proponent proponents of gifted campaigns as well as paid campaigns with the with the intention that it is the creator who's applying and that wants to be a part of it we're not the the agency that sends out a bunch of emails and says we're offering five hundred dollars. Will you do this? That's not that's not our model. We're about brands posting campaigns or or putting options out there into our community and then having the community apply. Okay, okay. So if I'm a brand, I'm making the calculated decision that I can you know, I can gift my product. I can provide some kind of a, a value. Correct. And or I can say we're going to pay you based on, is it an impression or an engagement or like, I don't even, what's, what's the ad model around it? It's typically based on, um, the size of the following. So it's typically based on audience reach, which is how you would predict that. There's other also models that pay based on impressions, uh, and all, and all kinds of things. Um, the most common model. Do you guys facilitate that? Like they choose which model or is it that? Detailed? We don't facilitate that. So we do two things as one, um, 
we we create you know the brand can create terms so essentially payment ranges based on the quality of the creator or how big they are and then once that post has been shared we have the ability to pipe it directly into their ads manager and we let the brands do that for free um, so the brands can essentially take all of the content produced on our platform or created on our platform and select the best pieces and sponsor them or promote them through paid channels and, and use the asset use the caption from that creator oh, okay so it's not only a one-time use type of thing there's just a uh, a multi touch point campaign so in that way yeah it does feel a lot more like a, a fully integrated campaign than you sort of a totally not hold up my thing in one video and talk about it but rather that there's an ongoing relationship then to correct yeah sponsor that brand yeah it's totally it's totally up to the up to the brand how they want to set it up we just we make it really easy to scale that ugc and then for you know if you're getting if on average, if you're a if you're a brand getting you know twenty to thirty influencers creating content and sharing that to their audience every month, uh, there's going to be between five and ten phenomenal pieces that might be ad worthy that could drive conversion for you, and that's the that's the approach we kind of take. Oh, so they turn it into an actual ad, then and place it through the ad platform. Yeah, three point two times better so conversion doing using uh, creative. Yeah, content. so you've developed a way to surface authentic content for the brand, I can imagine that they, they would really love that. Yeah. Uh, is this what you set out to do originally or did you figure this out based on market feedback? <laughs> market feedback, I, I, I think that the one thing I nailed down was I knew we wanted to be in the creator economy. We knew we wanted to help brands scale and automate this tedious process. And through you know a lot of user feedback, we've, we've developed new features and, and ways to make things easier. Big proponent of, of agile development and, and, and pivoting based on feedback. That was going to be my next question uh, you, you come from the marketing and, and brand background then. And so you must have some kind of a co-founder technical type of, of human around who has to figure out how to conceptualize and build all these things. You would think so. Surprisingly, no. So my co-founder is actually my ex-girlfriend who lives in San Francisco and we've got a great relationship. Uh, she's super smart and savvy on the finance side of things. Um, I was really the marketing and I think we kind of got, you know, for when we had first started the idea, we got burned twice by two different, by, by an independent developer and a development company. Um, neither of us have very strong technical backgrounds and then um, kind of got, you know, third time's a charm and got blessed, met a developer that believed in the, in the vision of the company and stuck with it and somehow understands my marketing jargon and turns it into a functional product. Uh, and that's no joke. I mean, that's difficult, yeah, right? Like to, to turn something like this into data models and, you know, yeah. sort of like yeah. infrastructure and architecture and there's sort of all that stuff. And you must have faced some nice backlash from people uh, funding and or otherwise on the business side, you don't have a technical co-founder, you know, like that's, that's sort of blasphemy uh, these days to make a, uh, a technical company. Yeah, I, it was, there was some humps to come over and, and, and don't get it wrong. I've had, I've spent uh, a fair bit of time learning, um, you know, at least enough to join the conversation. And, uh, you know, if I, if I can last 15 minutes and sound a little bit dangerous, then that usually, you know, that's, that's enough. Well, you, your CEO, that's all it takes, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Mile wide and a couple inches. Yeah, deep. basically. <laughs> no, I get that, man. And, you know, it, it's hard to to do all the things. 
you know, and, and if I've learned anything from experience as a founder is having to have sat enough in every seat, mm-hmm. you know, that if, if you legitimately cannot run just for at least a passable standpoint, each function of your company, you're really, you know, just flying blind. And I mean, that's, that's so hard. And it doesn't surprise me that, I mean, people think about being burned in engineering or, or product in the way that you, you talked about, but that happens in marketing all the time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, how many, I, or sales, I mean, God, every time we walk into a company, I said, you spent what on consultants? Yeah. You know, and, and, and you have nothing, yeah. you know, a hundred thousand dollars flushed down the toilet, yeah. you know, in a quarter. Yeah. But we learned it didn't work. Revenue hasn't moved an inch. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so maybe talk about that then. I mean, you had to accumulate talent where you did and didn't have it. And I think that if there's a common theme in the hundreds of interviews that I've done here, it's all about people and and team building and some of them you brought along from your previous adventures and some you had to find new and it's yeah it's just yeah. the hardest thing yeah you know we're we're still you know i would s- still consider us on the fringe of of startup where you know we're in our third full year of business it, the uh the team you know 100 your company is only as good as your team uh, i think we've been blessed with a few people that have been with us for longer than most startups can can say um, and, and we've also obviously had a bit of a rotating door in some other positions. And I think as a startup, it's really about doing the best with what you can afford and grooming those individuals and investing in their training and, and getting them further along the line in the areas that they're really passionate about. For example, you know, bringing in a junior marketer and then training them on social media and SEO and ads management. And then all of a sudden you've got a, a much more well-rounded um, team member who really understands the vision and has from the beginning. So it's a bit of both. We're definitely still um, trying to attract talent and we'll be going on a, on a pretty big hiring spree in fall probably. Um, but yeah, it's definitely people are, are the, the, the heartbeat of your company. And I think for startups, it's, it's a challenge to find that right. You know, it's a, between afford, you know, can you afford that talent? And if not, how do you groom it and how do you spend your time? So yeah, I think you know, as a, as a CEO of kind of a borderline startup, you know, 50 to 60% of my time is just spent working with my people. Uh, and then, you know, 20% of my time is doing fun stuff with, with people like yourselves. And, and then it's, you know, networking. And then um, the rest of it is really just, you know, e- early morning emails and late night emails to just replying to the inbox. Yeah, right. No joke. Yeah, I hate email. Uh, <laughs> solve that. Solve that problem next, because nice. I don't want to check it anymore. Fair. But um, you know, I'm thinking about like uh, you set out at the beginning. Did you appreciate? And I'm asking this because I know I have had this challenge, and other people maybe don't appreciate the the massive expense and difficulty of a of a double sided marketplace business model. I mean, one way or yeah. another, the Libra scale nothing. Yeah, unless, uh, you know, it's sort of the one side's got to be full yeah. and you often find that you have to finance in a ridiculous way the supply side without having the ability then to yeah. deploy that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a challenge that we face every day and we take head on. Um, I think that the nice thing uh, about, you know, the one thing that I think we kind of we hit on the head from the beginning is this this concept of the micro influencer. We knew that you know there's Michael Jordans and the Kardashians of the world and and these people that some influencers or athletes or individuals aspire to be like. But you know you don't just wake up and and you know in Kim Kardashian's you know shoes, 
um, you've got to work to get there. So we really focused on cultivating a community of micro influencers that are, you know, 1000 followers or bigger. And we worked hard on bringing them brand collaborations, which in turn fuel their growth. So, you know, uh, while we started kind of almost on the opposite side of the spectrum that a lot of our competitors were, they were focused on, you know, celebrity type influencers, which are expensive and far and few between and, and often you know, very difficult to generate real ROI when you're paying $10,000 a post sometimes. Um, so we focused on on the micro influencers. And I think that helped us bring volume to the community and started to snowball as they started talking about it. Um, so in our within two years, we had Canada's largest influencer community of over 20,000. And we are soon going to break 100,000. And our goal is to hit about uh, a million in the next two and a half years. Right. So micro being, if I have a thousand followers on any of my major platforms, yeah. So so we're I focused, right? Be an influencer. Yeah. So I mean, that's the beauty of it is you know our our platform is really a home for micro influencers to grow, and that's the way we pitch it to them. We've got resources, tips and tricks, uh, and of course brand collaborations, the ability for them to monetize their accounts no matter how big they are. We let the brands determine who's a good influencer for them. We we pump we give them tons of uh, data points where they can really analyze if they're real, if they're buying followers, is their audience in line with our brand, all of this stuff before they have to, uh, before the brand commits to that individual and sends them product or pays them to create the content. So, you know, for us, it's, it's, really a, it's really a democracy. We're trying to really democratize the creator economy. And um, through that process, brands have, have, at the end of the day, get to determine who's a good fit for them. Anybody can join our platform, use the resources to help them grow. Um, and I think that creates a really cool uh, symbiotic relationship because on the other side, you know, the micro influencers also tend to attract the small and medium enterprise. So you've got these brands on one side who are eager to grow and collaborate and put their products in the hands of these creators who can get them a ton of exposure for not a lot. And uh, and then on the other side, we have these creators that you know want to work with Nike one day and want to work with Adidas and these larger brands, but they've got to kind of prove themselves to get to that point. And that's the platform that uh, that we, we we provide for them. Right, right. Got it. Yeah. And what was the process like on the brand side, you know, you have to build awareness and sort of bring in people that, you know, want to engage this way. I mean, the, the greatest competition on that side is not somebody else's platform. It's, it's just that they do nothing, yeah. you know, in, inertia and in unawareness and discovery. And I mean, those are the hardest things in a B2B sale. Yeah. So B2B, I wish I, at my, at my parents' house, I still have the check from our first sale, which I didn't cash. Um, I don't think it'll, it'll go through right now. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's BNI. So I, you know, as a young, it was a grind, a short answer. You know, I joined this business networking group chapter in Vancouver and, you know, they've got a bunch of members and everyone does the round and there's a real estate and interior designer and a, and a, exterminator and a roofer and all of these things. And I'm like, man, none of you guys. And I, and I have a creator marketplace. Yeah. And I have a creator marketplace and none of you guys. So there was, there was a kinesiologist who was just getting started and I was like, you know, it might be able to work for you. So somehow I convinced her that this would be a good idea for her and, and got her first sale and kicked off the marketplace. But that's, you know, it was a grind to get, I'd say the first 10 or 20 brands. And then you kind of get into a groove of things and, and uh, really have to, come out of your shell to get those first few, you know, few sales. And, and, uh, 
once you get some traction and you can create a good case study, it starts to get easier and then you get, you know, a little bit more exposure and it's definitely a, a, a brand building credibility building process. Um, I can only imagine how awkward I would have been during those first demos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, you have an interesting thing because you're, you're sort of B2B to C yeah. and, uh, so you need to appeal to this, uh, end user, you know, quasi consumer demographic that, yeah. you know, is, is totally different. So you're providing them with education, you're providing them with community, you're providing them with, you know, sort of this path into, uh, you know, potential self-employment, almost gig economy type of vibe. Exactly. And then on the other side, you've got the, the business folks, which is, you know, entirely a B2B process. You, you must have to play, you know, human translator a yeah, lot to yeah. even explain to either side of those things. Like, and, you know, everybody wants the connection, but yeah. Uh, yeah. that's sort of an incompatible interface. You know, language <laughs> is key for sure in the delivery of, of messaging for sure. Yeah, we're we're trying to uh, we're trying to explain the same thing to two very different audiences, and and uh, it it can be a challenge, but it's also it's it's fun when you get people engaged and they understand. You know, if you can if you can say, hey, imagine you know hundreds or thousands of people showcasing your product on social media. Some it's a it's like oh okay I that could be cool sure right right and so you've had to turn it you know into that type of a almost like a simplistic yep. kind of yep. yeah and then it's, message then but then then back it up with a lot of like actual legitimate correct. data which did these metrics even exist i mean are you inventing kpis uh i no not inventing kpis thankfully we had a few people that dove into the space before us and then we kind of watched what they were doing the KPIs, you know, to be honest, they're very standard marketing KPIs. So like reach, impressions, engagement, those are, you know, your three primary ones. And then you get into things like earned media value. So it's a lot, it's, it's, uh, the KPIs are actually really, really, um, similar to PR. Okay. Okay. Got yeah. it. And so that, that may be a, that's a vector then in your, in your sales process. This is, this is what you're doing anyway. It's just a different way to deploy it and into a different channel. Correct. So. And the nice thing is because it's all digital, we can actually track the sale coming back to it, which is, you know, kind of a, a yeah, downside. And attribution to is huge yeah. for, for all that stuff. Yeah. Now, so to what extent is the, the brand and the B2B side, is that as self-serve as, um, or do you have to have a, a human touch type of uh, yeah, sales great question. We have for both. So brands, uh, we have a self-serve option where brands, you know, they, they are hiring some, some, savvy marketers and, and younger talent and to be honest a lot of brands we're running into it more and more have an influencer marketing manager uh, because they know it's you know you're managing people and talent and and their relationships they're not you know linear um, so brand we offer brands a self-serve and if they've got you know the team that understands oh yeah i've got a search and i've got to deal with influencers we just make it really easy to do what they'd be doing using excel or a, or a you know less traditional crm uh, and then we do have uh, a fully automated version where they get a dedicated campaign specialist and i think it just depends on their bandwidth and experience really at the end of the day sure sure and on the since this is a b2b podcast right on on that side uh do you have b2b companies that utilize the um, creator or influencer marketing type of positioning and and yeah. vibe there so like if, if the listeners probably are mostly owners of, of b2b firms yeah how does this even fit 
into their world? I, honestly, I don't even know the answer, you know, like, so I'm going, well, it's a channel that I'm not exploiting. Is this a thing that I can do? Well, I think, you know, I think the short answer is yes. And it depends on how you do it. I think when you're B2B, the tricky thing is, is that your ideal creator or influencer isn't necessarily prominent on Instagram and Facebook, but might be really prominent on LinkedIn and other publications. So I think it's finding the, ch- I think it's more channel specific for B2B, but the process is still the same. Let's, you know, for example, say you're a telecom company and you want to sell your, you know, your business mobile phone, phone sales or phone plan uh, into small companies finding a few entrepreneurs like myself or like you and saying, hey, we'd love to give you you know, a new iPhone or a Samsung and try out our service, check out the reception, we're 5G, we're, we're loaded and you know, we'd love for you to experience that. Having that individual say, hey, I just got signed up with, you know, in Canada, Rogers, um, you know, great service, just got this new phone. Oh, and by the way, there's a promo right now for $50 a month, unlimited, you know, everything. I think it's really just finding your, you know, your ideal customer and and realizing that they may not have a hundred thousand followers, but when they post something on LinkedIn, they've got a community of other entrepreneurs or business owners that are really listening and honed in and, and appreciate the tips and advice. Sure, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. It's gotta be a channel that I don't think a lot of B2B firms are even attuned to yet. It seems to be a a place you might follow we're, into I always find that years later, you know, B2B marketing sort of picks up the tips from uh, B2C marketing. We let them battle test it out in the field and <laughs> see which thing. Yeah. You know, like yeah. three months ago, everybody was talking about Clubhouse and now I haven't heard a peep, you know, about it. And I, I just wonder, you know, which which formats will take off. It's but. interesting. I think there'll be a video version of Clubhouse not too soon from now. I also know that um, LinkedIn um, just released like a, a, a creator account type of setting. So, you know, spoiler alert that we will be getting, uh, adopting LinkedIn as a channel for specifically B2B brands. We'll have to sign up. Yeah. I would love for you to, yeah, I would love for you to. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's, it's I good. Think I don't qualify. I don't qualify for any of the shampoo ads. Yeah. Hey, or, me either. Me. It was actually funny logging on. It <laughs> said, uh, check your hair and it had hair crossed out. I'm like, did this guy do this for me? Or is this a joke on him? <laughs> <laughs> I made the same joke about that's uh, funny. I made the same joke about that. Yeah, when I when I logged into Riverside, so yeah. I don't know if, if they're checking our video. They might the be. Universe. I think they might. I thought that was an inside <laughs> joke. I was like, did I just get punked? Right? No, dude. That's like so I, funny. I said the same thing. Yeah, I'm like, this is really this funny. Is, this is strong personalization. <laughs> yeah. To the, to the yeah. Crew. I was like, wow, that's I'm really sure tailored. How you know that about me? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I, I think from a B two B standpoint, like it's it's the channel that wins it, and you know you don't have to if, listen. If I post something to my you know to my group of of advisors or entrepreneurs or on LinkedIn about um, fashion, someone might laugh at me. Uh, actually, a lot of people might laugh at me. Uh, but if I post something about you know a, a productive tool I use on email or you know telecom services or services for my business or an accounting firm. Um, those are all, you know, really real services that all businesses need. And if I posted that on my LinkedIn, people would take it seriously. Yeah. I mean, really, it's a thing that certainly point solutions and SaaS should look at yeah. because uh, you, you probably do also. I'm sure we run our business on, an, you know, not being a huge business that's still running on probably 20 different SaaS tools some of which I brag about anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're happy to talk about it because you, you know, you want to deliver value to to your audience. So if Atlassian is listening, I'll be happy to take your money. Uh, HubSpot, <laughs> we already take your money, so that's fine. <laughs> me, um, me too. Me too. No, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <exactly. laughs> 
No, that's that's cool, man. So I mean, obviously, it was almost a little bit of a what's next, you know, right there. Put your futurist hat on. Yeah, you know, I was thinking, I said, you guys are you know sort of onto something. It's a crowded space, so I'm interested, like, in thinking about the future of of where you're at. I mean, I yeah. I wasn't aware of the service. Now I am. So I mean, cool. that's, that's super cool. So where, yeah, where are you guys going? So yeah, it's, it's definitely a crowded space. I think a lot of uh, our competitors have approached the, the issue or opportunity in a similar way. We've really kind of segmented ourselves and really become this marketplace and this kind of community for creators to grow. Uh, for us, the future is a few things. It's expanding channels. So LinkedIn, definitely. Um, Twitch is another one that we're working on. Um, and at the heart of it, our vision um, hovers around the fact that we believe people are the new storefront, um, not Amazon, not e-com. So if that makes sense, you know, we're trying to decentralize purchases and let the individual really be the moving and the driving factor for sales, whether it's B2B, B2C, B2B2C. Um, we, we believe that you know, so you've probably done this before. You've probably texted friends and family about a cool product that you saw or tried or are using and, and, you know, a couple of them may have purchased it. And that's really what it's about. And we're creating a way where you can do that freely and get monetized and get compensated for that because you really do have influence. And, and as more and more brands come to life these days, you know, people are looking for ways to determine how they can trust that brand. And when it's peer to peer, it's very easy to trust. Yeah. Absolutely. Will you ultimately facilitate, you know, along the, the shopping lines of, you know, it actually got bought from my channel? I mean, that, that, that kind of integration seems to be crashing through now where, you know, it's just like you can shop on my pin or on my Instagram or I'm so we're, be interested to see a LinkedIn version of that. You know, if you purchase HubSpot through my post, you know, that'd be interesting. So, uh, Spoil, another spoiler alert exclusive to the leaders of b2b podcast hey. um, <laughs> yeah we are so we're launching an affiliate network where anyone can join any brand can join and people will be able to essentially create their unique links share them on dark social public social doesn't matter where in a text message a tweet and in the event that that link triggers a purchase the individual is automatically compensated the brand is said the fully the brand is sent the fully paid order so that's launching next month. Super excited. Very cool. Yeah, yeah we may have to do a version two demo on that one. Creators are the new storefront. <laughs> that's awesome. Vinod, thanks for uh, hanging out. I love this conversation. I, I, learned a, I learned a bunch of stuff. I hope everybody else did too. Pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate your time as well. If anybody wants to reach you, talk to you, uh, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, LinkedIn, email, vinod.creator.co or, or um, you know, I'm, I am on LinkedIn for sure. You can find me. Happy to chat to, to anyone who's interested in learning more. Uh, even just connect, feel free. Cool. All right. Awesome. Thanks for coming out. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Leaders of B2B podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star rating. And as always, you can see more information about this episode and all the resources mentioned at leadersofb2b.com.